Hello, my name's Ewan, I'm a trainee here at Rotherham Evangelical Church and I want to start by asking you a question. How would you finish this sentence? Home is what? You might say, home's where the heart is. Or, home's not a place, it's a feeling. You know, some of you might have uh, a decorative sign hanging up in your house somewhere with some cheesy coat like that on it, I don't know. Maybe you think of Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, clicking her heels together. You know, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's a bit of a joke, actually, in our band, between my mates and I, or rather an unwritten rule when we're writing songs. And it's no matter what, no matter how much it fits the lyrics, no matter how indie or folksy it sounds, we're not allowed to title a song Home. Just think for a moment, think of uh, singers you know, or boy bands, or folk bands. It's inevitable that they'll have a song called Home, or a a title that uh, references home. You know, we're approaching Christmas, think Michael Bublé, he's got a couple of uh, home songs, hasn't he? I'll Be Home for Christmas, or that one that's just titled Home. Both of them speaking about, you know, that desire to be at home with your loved ones. Actually, as I was scrolling through Facebook this week, as I was just finishing the first draft of this sermon, somebody I know uh, posted on Facebook that they were going to be releasing a new, a new single with that title, Home. <laughs> just chatting to some friends over the past few months. Some were saying about how this past year has allowed for each of them to be at home for a longer period with their families. They've been able to do decorating and renovations that they've had on the to-do list for a while now. And that's been the same experience for many of us, hasn't it? Whereas personally for me, in the time I've lived here in Rotherham, this is the longest I've gone without visiting the place that I would call home. Visiting my mum and my family. Think... You know, back to April, it was a big deal, wasn't it, that that we were locked in our homes over Easter. And now I know it's not 100% clear, but who would have thought that we'd be stuck at home over Christmas? A lot of us here at REC from all over the place. I don't just mean the UK, I mean all over the world. And chances are you might have had plans this year to go and spend Christmas with your family. For some, that might feel like, you know, going home for Christmas. For others, uh, you know, maybe you're the host. People tend to come to you for Christmas. Maybe for some people, Christmas this year actually doesn't feel that much different to any other day of the year. Maybe for some, being at the place we call home is problematic in itself. At the end of the day, a lot of us are going to be stuck at home over Christmas, whatever or wherever home is for us. My point is, it's not just Christmas 2020. The daily human experience is consumed with that feeling of homesickness, isn't it? And we don't have to look that far to see that the world is dysfunctional. Places are dysfunctional. People and families are dysfunctional. 
And where is God when all this is going on? Well, I've got the great privilege this week of kicking off a new uh, series that we're going to be walking through together over the next few weeks where we're going to be thinking about home. What does it mean to be home? How does the Bible address that feeling of homesickness? And we'll spend a couple of weeks seeing that the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into our world as a baby and took on our feeling of homesickness, that we might be welcomed into the presence of God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And we're going to start this afternoon by thinking about God's intended design for home. And we're going to use Genesis chapter 1 uh, through chapter 3 and looking at the picture we received there of the garden to see that God's plan for home is his people in his place and enjoying his blessing. It's easy enough to remember, right? I get that that probably wouldn't look just as nice hung up in your hallway. So first, we should see that home is a people with a purpose. A people with a purpose. Some of the ancient religions of the world have their own creation stories. Many of them speak of humans being sort of an unwanted byproduct of the gods or an unwanted byproduct of their creation. In some cases, the gods are almost indifferent uh, to their created beings, to their created worlds. Sometimes humans are seen as being playthings of the gods. You know, even modern science tells us that humans, if not all creation, is some sort of big cosmic accident. But when we begin to think of ourselves as accidents, our lives begin to feel cheap and flimsy, don't they? without worth, without purpose. But here's where Christianity stands out so unique from all these other worldviews. In the opening chapters of Genesis, we see that man is not some useless byproduct, but that God intentionally makes man and with a purpose. There's work to do. Now, I know it's weird, to be thinking about work when we're talking about home. You know, isn't home the place we go to get away from work? Maybe it has been until this year, for sure. But God's design for home isn't just milling about in our pyjamas waiting for something to happen. That's certainly not the picture we, we receive here. Now, Genesis chapter 1 is known for uh, the six-day creation story, right? And on day six... God creates land animals. And then we get to chapter 26. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 26 with me. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. What does that mean? Well, let's keep reading. So that they may rule over creation. In other words, God made man in his image, that man would rule over creation with God to reflect God in the world. You know, sometimes when you're gardening, 
I don't know if people still do this, but I remember when I was younger seeing people sticking CDs in the soil beside the plants so that birds and you know animals and whatnot wouldn't come and dig up. The CDs were there to reflect the sun, right? God places man on earth and his job is to reflect God here on the earth. And he does that as he looks after and rules over creation under God's authority. Work is part of God's initial design. But he doesn't expect one man to do it all on his own. Look at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And so when I use the word man, I don't mean one person. I don't mean one male. I mean the whole of mankind. God makes a woman to work alongside Adam. Both of them together reflecting the image of God on the earth. Ruling over it. And even participating in the procreating with God. This is sometimes what's referred to as the creation mandate. Verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now I'm absolutely not saying that we can only experience God's design for home if we get married and have kids and play happy families all day. What I'm saying is that people are made to be with other people, working together, enjoying one another, serving one another, serving God together. But that isn't always our experience, is it? Sometimes all we want to do is get home away from other people. And like I said, maybe for some of us, being at home with the people that we live with is part of the problem. I don't want to brush over that lightly. The day-to-day reality is that our relationships don't often reflect this picture we receive here of the home that Adam and Eve experience here in one another. And so we begin to see marks on this picture. We begin to see that it's a bit distorted. If this picture was in a frame, yeah, the picture's there, but the frame would be smashed. Our home for us right now might be the place where we're the one calling the shots, where we're the leader. You know, my house, my rules, I'll decide. But in this picture we receive here, in God's intended design for home, Yes, you may carry the family name. Yes, you may have a leadership role in your household. But all that is given to you from the God who is truly sovereign. And the problem is that we very much see people using their God-given authority to rule and to oppress others, don't we? Rather than serving them, rather than serving God both in the home and out in the world. For many people, God isn't even part of that picture. And 
And so why is it that when we, when we are in the place that we call home, that we don't feel home? But God's design for home isn't just a people with a purpose. These people are in the place of God. Home is a people with a purpose in the place of God. Over the years, scientists and historians have tried to pinpoint exactly where the Garden of Eden was in the world. There's probably a National Geographic documentary about it somewhere, I'm sure. The Bible does indeed give us some clues as to where uh, it might have been. But I'm not here to you know, make the case from where I think Eden was in the world and suggest that we all pack up and move there. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. But there are some key things that we see here about the garden itself that I want us to hone in on. Firstly, that we see God's provision for his people. And secondly... It's where we experience God's presence. Firstly, his provision. Take a look at chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. You see, God didn't just plump Adam down and say, right, beat it, on you go, go do your own thing. He prepares a place for his people and he provides for them a home that they can enjoy, a place where they would know God's provision for them. You know, when we look out into the world, it's not all bland and you know black and white it's bright and it's colourful isn't it especially at this time of year you know something I'm always grateful for is food you know the best thing about food is all the variety and all the option we have you know it's not bland it's not like munching tasteless bits of cardboard to get the nutrients that we need is it home for God's people is a place where they would know and enjoy The blessing of God. Look a little bit further down. Look at verse uh, 15 and 16. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Commanded to be free. To eat from any tree. Now, it's not much of a secret that I'm not the biggest consumer of fruit and veg. But I sometimes wonder for Adam and Eve if the garden was like walking into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And God's like, you can eat anything you like. It's like coming home on a Monday night and Ian Fenton's been shopping and the cupboards are full of Pringles. Except in this case, for Adam and Eve's case, it's all good for you. Here you go, enjoy it. Now, to be clear, I'm not just talking about food. I mean all God's blessings and the things that we can enjoy, shelter, one another, music, the list is endless. But you'll notice the following verse gives a bit of a warning, doesn't it? 
You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Surely giving people warnings not to do things is providing for them, like any good parent would. Do you see that? I've made a place for you and I'm giving you everything that you need to enjoy and experience my provision for you. But there's something else special about this place. And it's that God provides for them his very presence. God has provided himself. Just glance over to chapter 3 and verse 8. Sorry we're jumping about. It says that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God dwelling with his people. In a sense, mankind here are priests Their home is within the presence of God. What a great privilege that is. We're also told that Adam and Eve were naked. And that might sound a bit strange to us. But it's just a very physical sign of them being clearly exposed before the almighty sovereign God. And it says they felt no shame. God's people in God's place, enjoying God's rule and blessing. What a great picture of home we see here. Can you imagine living in the presence of God like this? Can you imagine the sheer joy? What heights of love, what depths of peace. Psalm 16, a song from later in the Bible, says these words. You've made known to me the path of life and you will fill me with the, with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, what a great privilege to call the presence of God our home. And so what happens? What went wrong? Chapter 3 is a story that most of us will be familiar with to some extent and it's where we see humans abuse their God-given rule and authority I'll decide God has given them this home to enjoy he's provided for their every possible need they dwell together with God and man decides that's not enough they do the very thing God told them not to do Eating from the only tree they were told from not to eat. You might say, ah, it's only a bit of fruit, isn't it? But like I said, it's that principle of I'll decide that's the problem. It's saying God is not good enough. John Milton, a Puritan guy, famously wrote a poem which refers to this home as paradise lost. Because there are consequences. Just take a quick glance over at chapter 3, verse uh, 23. Now oh, I've lost my place. Chapter 3, 23. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
After he drove man out, he placed on the east side of Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Paradise lost. They could no longer live in the holy, homely sanctuary of Eden with a holy God because they had become an unholy people. And so they're removed from the garden and they're left wandering. And there is no place like home, like this home. Right, fine. But what's all this got to do with Christmas? I always find it a bit odd on the first Sunday of Advent. It's a bit of a culture shock, a shock to the system, rather. Uh, you know, especially when you're still in November. You rock up to church and all of a sudden you get hit with Christmas carols left, right and centre. So on the one hand, we could do this series in the middle of July, talking about home. Because the problem of homesickness is a symptom that we very much feel every day of the year. But as we approach Christmas 2020, many of us will be thinking about home. Many of us will feel homesick. But here's the thing. God didn't just leave Adam and Eve wandering. God's plan has always been for his people to live with him. And so here's the good news. Here's the hope that we talk about at Christmas. Let me read to you from the New Testament, from John chapter 1. It says this, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God's powerful, living Word, with which uh, he spoke creation into being, becomes flesh and blood in the tiny baby of Jesus Christ. And so this has everything to do with Christmas. As we've just seen from the very beginning, God has every intention of dwelling with his people. And in our sinful, wandering state, he does so, he did so in Jesus, so that our relationship with him could be restored. That God's people would once again be at home, in God's place, under God's blessing. God made his home with us, that we might have our home with him. Jesus left his home and took on our homesickness and lived the life that Adam could not, that you and I cannot and now promises to restore to us home with God. When we begin to recognise that these things are broken, the place, the people, our relationships with one, with one another, our relationship with God, all because of our sin, because we have abused that created purpose that God has given us. When we recognise that, it leads us to repentance and faith in God through Jesus Christ. 
And only then do we begin to experience a little taste of what home was designed to be. Can you think of somewhere else that God's broken people come together in the very presence of God to worship him, to glorify him? The church. The church itself is a small window into that home. And I don't mean the garden here in Genesis. I mean the promise of a restored home that is coming to the people of God. Let me read to you, just as we close, from Revelation chapter 22. There's a fair bit of garden imagery here. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. No longer will there be any curse. And get this. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night and there will be no, no lead. There will be no... They, no, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. God's people in God's place enjoying God's blessing and fulfilling their purpose. And so we eagerly await the day when Jesus will return again to gather his people together and we will enjoy our renewed home in the new creation in God's place with God's people and enjoying his presence as our home was designed to be. Amen.